Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about something that we brought up last week, which is what do we do when somebody loses their stuff and their emotional intelligence go out the window and they fire off an angry email or they get angry in a meeting and yell at you? What are you, a moron? Come on. Don't be so, this is, this is ridiculous. What is wrong with you? Is that the sort of thing you mean? That That's the one. That's it right there. Yep. Okay, good. I just wanted to model that. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and you know, it happens. We we all have those frustrating times and those angry, you know, difficult moments and everything um, where we lose our stuff and we say things that we're like, oh, I wish I'd handled that differently. So as we think about long-term relationships and persuasion and leadership and all that stuff, it's really, how do we deal with that when it comes from somebody else? Yeah. And you know, there's actually two different scenarios because as you said, long-term relationships and, and folks, this was brought on by internet. We may get into the details or some of the details of this, but something that actually just happened with me, it it was a, a, a really vitriolic response via email. I'm going to put that aside and we, we we may or may not. So I'm not making any promises because um, I know last week we went long and the promise I made in the beginning of the podcast, we, we fulfilled, but we cut it really short. Um, <laughs> but in that particular case, I'm not interested in a long, there is no long-term relationship. And so that's my point is sometimes this can happen in somebody either you have a long-term relationship with or you are going to continue to have a long-term relationship with. And I think how we handle that versus how we handle it for somebody, you're, it, it, it's a transactional relationship with, and one would you have no interest whatsoever, as in my case, with creating a long-term relationship. I think there's a slightly different approach to each of those. They're related, and I'm not saying you do some, it's not completely different, but there is a different approach, I believe. Yeah, I would totally agree. And in the case of persuasion, it would be, we would be talking specifically in that case where we want to have a continued relationship with that person. Either we work with them or they're a client or they're our boss, you know, or, but there is that implication of longer term relationship. Right. Because if you don't handle it correctly, and let me, actually, let me rephrase that. If you make a mistake and you don't deal with the mistake in a positive way, your ability for future persuasion becomes compromised. Whereas in the case where it's somebody I have no desire to have a future, I'm not interested in persuasion per se. And I think the outlook in my particular case, again, the issue wasn't for me, how do I how do I fix this relationship? The issue for me is how do I get the one thing I need to get out of this so I can end this relationship and move on? So, though, 
Though I would argue that in your case and in the case of like an um, angry client who you just need to finish up the job with and get rid of them or a coworker, um, there are implications to the relationship with the organization. Maybe it's to the reputation of your business or to, you know, something like that. So there's, even though there may not be a long-term relationship with the individual that's fired off, there may still be ramifications within the circle of your, where you're trying to persuade and influence as well. You know, that's a, such a valid point. And, and as I was saying it, I started thinking about that. You, you're absolutely right. So the, the, the long-term implications may not be one-to-one with the person who has this thing. And that doesn't mean you get free reign to be a moron. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, these days we know, um, you know, people will promote whatever's going on in uh, social media, on LinkedIn, on anywhere. So anything we do is likely to be amplified. So we yeah. always want to manage things in a, in a, in a good way. Yep, absolutely. So which of these two do you want to tackle first? Uh, let's go with the no, let's go with the no long-term relationship, but perhaps ramifications first, because I think that'll be shorter. And then we can go into the other one. Sure. And by the way, what we're about to discuss, and this is, this is a great analogy for this, you know, maybe this can be used. Um, in fact, where this is really useful and comes up all the time is in social media review posts. And I see this with customers, my clients mm, who yes. need to Yelp. respond. And it's a client that e e either it's a post from somebody who never was a client. And this happens a lot. Oh, I contacted the company and they were rude to me on the phone and I'll never do business with them. Right. So boom. There's or they're no long telling term. half the story, you know? Yeah, totally. Right. But the point being is this is somebody who hasn't done business with you will not do business with you, right? So there is no long-term relationship to, mm. to to preserve. It's very similar to my situation where somebody uh, I engaged to do something was upset with me for uh, a perceived slight that uh, from my position never occurred. And they also were trying to renegotiate something that we had agreed to after the fact and I refused to engage in that, which I think then led to the perceived slight because of that. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how that mixed. And, you know, so let's talk about your initial response there. So first of all, without going into what to say, whatever you type initially, don't hit send. That <laughs> Totally, totally. Let it simmer. Yeah. So sa same thing with it verbal, right? Bite your tongue, right? Mm -hmm. Because we all respond, I mean, initially there's this emotional um, storm that occurs. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was telling Anne, as, as I recounted my story, that while the storm I encountered wasn't as severe as it would have been a year ago, or, and certainly four or five years ago, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, you know, I, I, I get, as I got better in touch with really who I am, what this person said had zero impact on that. And at the same time, it's an uncomfortable situation I want to deal with. I can't believe I have to you know, deal with this stuff. And, and so there is some emotional baggage around that. So whatever you type initially, I think is going to, to show that. So don't hit send, bite your tongue. That's, that's number one. Well, totally. And I would say there's great value in, in writing that angry email, right? But write it in a Word document so you don't accidentally send it. And I genuinely think that 
and and Apple and PC land Dell and Acer, if you're listening right now, there should be a deactivation of the send button when keys are hit with a certain level of pressure. You know, like if you're banging out this angry email, you should hit send and the computer should say, please wait 20 minutes for your keyboard to cool right. off. Before. But there's great value in writing that initial angry response because it kind of works you through the anger and the emotion so that you can get to the other side of it and say, okay, cool. That's how I feel. Now, how do I want to respond to this situation? What's go what are the what are the ripples that could happen? How do I want to respond to this? What do I want to get out of it? Because um, sometimes biting your tongue forever is the thing to do. Yeah, which is really interesting. I and and so my second piece of advice, though, after you type it out and you and you you nailed it in terms from a from a cathartic perspective, you right. know. Um, well, let me give a couple of rule sets before I do this. So th this is one of my rules. I invite everybody to consider adopting it. One, in my response, I never engage in ad hominem attacks. Ad hominem meaning putting it on that person. You are blank 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 blank. That's ad hominem, right? I am I am ascribing to that individual some trait, whatever that might be. You're I right. try and focus right. on not even their behaviors, but the factual circumstances around that, right? That helps me disengage that emotional feeling, right? And helps me synthesize a little bit better what is it I really want. And so again, in this example from, from this week, you know, they had accused they made some observations about some things that occurred that were not factually accurate. And so I started out saying, you know, point one, here's blah, 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 point two, blah, blah, blah. And I started addressing those things. And that was my first draft. And then again, I didn't hit send. Step two, phone a friend. <laughs> Is that your final answer? No. Yes. Phone a friend. Yeah. And, and you know, um, People who are not emotionally involved in this and have them look through your email. Now, and I think what you just said is key. Find somebody who isn't going to be an ally, who isn't going to be like, oh my God, I hate these people. They're such jerks. No, no, no. Give me a straight, honest, like third party, non, you know, non uh, sided opinion here, because that's going to be a heck of a lot more valuable to you than if somebody just jumps on the bandwagon with you. Yeah. And, and then ask them to read from it, from whatever perceived energy, because we don't really know, but whatever right. perceived emotional state the other person has and ask what can be misconstrued. Mm. Right. You know, and also from your, or if it was an email response or uh, read that other interaction as well from that point of view because oftentimes when you read it from their you know misperceived standpoint you're like oh i can totally see how they would take that then we then we just have a situation where we need to clear up a misunderstanding which is often where this stuff comes from but yeah. i love that third party neutral where does you know where could this be misinterpreted yeah. So I did, I did this. So this, this, this incident occurred Tuesday. I did this Tuesday night. I had two friends of mine um, who are in, in, in the same business. Uh, look at the chain, look at my response. And the first person said, you know, 
my go-to response is not to respond. And I think there's some validity there, right? The, the question is, do I need this person to do something? And mm-hmm. at my initially, I'm like, no, I don't really need them to do something. I don't really need to respond, right? I am not going to convince them that their position is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about persuasion. Okay, don't engage in the fight. You can't win. If I'm not right. going to persuade them, why would I attempt to do it? Mm. Totally. And that's such an interesting thing because so often we respond to be right, to prove that we're right, to prove that we're smart, to prove that we've been wronged. And oftentimes just saying that's not right to ourselves. That's not right. They have that wrong. But me correcting them isn't going to do a darn bit of difference except put kindling on this flame, right? That's the question I always ask myself. Does my responding move this forward at all? Yeah. And, and so, which brings up the, the the real question: What is it you want to get out of out of not not the whole relationship, this particular interaction? What what is what is your end result? Totally. So, when I first published my book, my first book, which is called "Get Over It," oh, I, love um, it. I got a response from some. What's that? I love that title. I know it's it's catchy, right? And when in a certain context telling somebody to get over it is kind of crappy no it's really crappy and this person responded to me on social media saying and she sent me an article and everything saying that telling people to get over it was really inappropriate and very you know unhelpful and you know and i i was sitting there saying what do i how do i respond to this because ultimately i said get over it because we don't actually like to get over it and so here's 52 tips to help you get over it because we'd like to do that, you know, like I'm here to help. Um, but I knew that responding was not going to change their mind, that they were, you know, they were frustrated. They were hurt from whatever happened. And I said, I can't see how responding to this is going to change anything. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great example. So, you know, had you known me and called me and said, how do I respond to this? Right. I think there are some valuable response. Hey, first of all, empathy. I, I, I'm so sorry you took it this way. This was not my intention. And, you know, I could see, right. Empathy is, 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 is a um, intellectual understanding of the emotion as opposed to sympathy, mm-hmm. which is a feeling the same emotion, right. As in like a sympathetic vibration, two things vibrate at the same level, right. So when we feel the emotion, we're being sympathetic when we're empathetic, it's a knowledgeable understanding because we've maybe been in that position in the past without actually feeling it. And, and the difference is, folks, when we come from a place of sympathy, we're really trying to take care of our own emotion because we're feeling that emotion and we don't like it. And that's selfish. Hmm. When I come from a place of empathy, I'm now concerned about you and it's a different energetic. And so empathy may... In fact, really healthy empathy will allow you to feel it, not stop it, right? From sympathy, I try to stop the emotion because it feels uncomfortable. From empathy, I allow you to feel it, but from a place of understanding. So, so an empathetic, I'm, I'm, you know, this was not my intention in writing. This wasn't for you, you know, for people to learn how to tell other people to get over it. My intention was to allow people to process things so they have the ability to get past a situation in a healthier way. Totally get your point. And I am so sorry you took it that way. Something like that, right? 
which brings to a point I wanted to bring up a minute ago. When you're writing these responses, what is it you're looking to get out of it? In your case, you want, well, I, I can't move the needle forward with this particular person. And by the way, I have no idea what I just said would move the needle or not, but I don't think it would move it backwards. And yeah. to, to my second point is, especially if this is like a, a review on Yelp or one of those other review sites, you're frequently, it's, I'm not writing to a response to the person who posted the review. They had their mm -hmm. experience. I'm writing a response to the people reading the review. Right. Yeah. Right. And and this was a private message. I mean, I, I appreciate where that person was coming from as far as making it a private message and not just blasting it for the sake of blasting me. Um, but I think that's the important question is, does me responding or does this response move us forward, move us in a positive direction or move me to what I need to get out of this interaction? Yeah. Which may be a long-term relationship with my boss. <laughs> yeah. Or like I, like I just said, in a, in a public forum where right. other people are privy to it, mm -hmm. how I respond, like how many times do you see a review where the owner says, you don't know what you're talking about. We did this, this, and this to try and bend over backwards for you. And I read that and I'm like, not a business I'm ever going to do, a company I'm ever going to do business with because their standard is not as high as mine. And the company standard should always be higher than the customers in my work my opinion, my world. So if they're not empathetic to what this person went, if they're not asking themselves, okay, where did I screw up that they had this experience? Even if everything they said in, in their response is true, not somebody I want to do business with. So, so that's- It's entertaining you know, though to read. Well, it, can, it can be. <laughs> when the business is like, F you, you're a jerk, you're a turkey and you don't know what's going on. It's always funny to read. <laughs> Well, I literally had a company, a solar company who I, uh, the company put in my solar system went out of business. So they, they were taking over service and I had some of these, I mean, horrendous experiences where they weren't meeting their, their and, and literally the response was, we did you a favor. We don't make a lot of money on service and nobody wants to service other people's customers. So when we agreed to take you on as a, we did you a favor. I'm like, Favors friends like that who needs enemy. Don't do me well, that right. favor. Now, why, do, why did you decide to take that on then? And why did you agree to do that if you're going to, yeah. If, if you're not going to do it well. It's not a favor. You agreed to do it. Right, right. And I paid you for it. And I paid yeah. you what you asked. So right. it's not it's not like I negotiated you down. So, right, there, there's some terrible responses out there. So again, in this particular instance for me, then I went to a, a, a second person, um, you know, gave me some different language. Uh, which I kind of liked, helped me understand how blah, 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 you know, right. And so I started, I crafted a second email, completely different email with that in, in mind and sat on that. You get a theme here, folks. Don't hit send right away. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, I'm again, not going to convince this person. So even help me understand if I was, if this was a potential long-term relationship, Help me understand is great language. Mm -hmm. You know, if you see our podcast or from last week where we talk about um, uh, respect and control, help me understand is one of those. I'm ceding control to you. I'm acknowledging that I have a failure of understanding your perspective, and I am looking to understand your perspective. Yeah, and it's also helping somebody feel valued in that. I want to know where you're coming from because I know you're an intelligent, mature adult human being. And so you must be coming from a, a place that I'm just not seeing. Yeah, which is respectful. Yeah. Right. Which, which was the third okay. third piece from last week. See what we did there? Yeah, that was really nice. We must be professionals. <laughs> We're good at this.
So, right. So help me understand brilliant, brilliant, brilliant language um, mm -hmm. uh, from, from our good friend, Cheryl Milton, by the way. Mm. Uh, so props to you, Cheryl. And then I sat on that. And then I realized the following morning, I actually need something out of these people. I, I owed them money. The, the, the issue arose from, I owed them an agreed upon amount and they wanted to renegotiate after the delivery of service for a greater amount. That that's, that's the long and short of it. Everything else around there is fluff. And I'm like, I need to send them money. I, 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 I don't care what their position is. I need to honor my side of the agreement because what they do is doesn't affect me. What I do affects me. So what do I do? Okay, I'm going to reply. By the way, folks, this person said, do not reply. Do not reach out to contact us again. I'm like, I don't really care. I, so I, I replied and I simply said, I need to know two things. One, where do I send the money I owe you? Two, there was a commitment on their end for this money that they, a future commitment. I need to know you're going to honor that commitment because at this point, and I didn't say this, I, right? This is important. I did not say this in the email but at this point, their track record of honoring their commitments was nil. So even if they, and they haven't replied, I don't expect a reply from them. Even if they reassured me, I won't know whether they're going to honor their commitments until they do, right? right. I have no faith. Well, and you're thinking damage control down the line to who else you're responsible to based on this situation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, when somebody is not, going to be a future relationship, think to who else is going to see it or be affected by it and speak to them. Mm -hmm. And what do you need, if anything, out of a response? And if there's nobody else involved and you don't need anything, then any response in my world is unimportant and unnecessary. Yeah. And, and I think the key needs to be, why am I writing this? Am I trying to prove I'm right? Am I trying to tell them where they're wrong? And if so, let me rethink this. Uh, does that move this thing forward? And if so, you know, I always say you have the option. There can be one jerk in the room or two. You might want to just leave them to themselves. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I think this is potentially should could be our last on this side of the coin is, you know, this reminds me of, you know, uh, couples counseling where they always talk about right it takes two to argue mm -hmm. just don't engage there's no argument you know and and today frankly I, I and i have the because there is a larger organization involved with this that i need to memorialize and save documentation i have these saved but i could actually read that email today and laugh you know yeah you know two two days ago i read it and fumed you know and, and today i could read it and laugh so yeah yeah well now as we shift gears and think about where somebody has fired off at you and the long-term, you know, you need to maintain that long-term relationship. Maybe it was your boss. Maybe it was somebody who works for you. That's really good at their job. Maybe it's your spouse and engaging in the argument is important to get to that place of mutual understanding, get back to that place of respect so that you can move forward together. What do you do then? Yeah. And that's a great question. First of all, I, I would, I would invite everyone to consider languaging at this point, because what you just said, I would reframe. Okay. Because, right. Engaging in that argument is important. I would, I would, I would argue against that. Um, engaging in it. So you're saying don't argue, but you just right. said to argue. 
Right. I'm arguing against arguing. Okay. Got it. Just checking. Yeah. Engaging in a conversation to understand their perspective is important. Fair. Argument serves no purpose. I came in here for an argument. I came in here for a good argument. No, you came in here for an argument. One of, one of the greats of the Monty Python skits. Absolutely. That's just a disagreement. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. That's funny. That's What's funny stuff. Yeah. A dis- uh, argument is a intellectual process where disagreement is just the automatic gainsay of what the other person says. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yeah. One of my all-time favorites. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Early Monty Python. Good stuff. Sorry. Yeah. Please continue. Well, yeah. And it's a matter of semantics, you know, whether, I mean, we can have an argument in a respectful, intelligent way. Um, It's when we're, we're getting emotional and screaming and all that stuff. And I don't actually know the difference between an actual argument and a dialogue versus a, you know, screaming match, but we're saying the same thing. We are, we want, we want, we want to uncover their perspective. And this is, this is absolutely number one, go back to last week's podcast, right? But this is when the wheels have come off a little bit. One of the things under those conditions that I immediately go to in my mind is where did I fail to communicate? Right. Yeah. Where is and, the and, misunderstanding? What, what, what's missing in their knowledge? Go ahead. Right. But this is really nuanced, but I think really important. Not where did they misunderstand me? Because mm-hmm. that is a blame. That is a victim thing. It's an outside factor. They misunderstood me. I did everything right. But when I frame it as where did I miscommunicate? Now mm-hmm. I'm taking control over that. And it gives me the ability to see what could I what could I have said different? What could I have said better? And to be more clear, to be more, more yep. Yeah. I remember once um when I had my telecom business, we had a, a large a real, it was a growing um biotech company that was a client of ours, multi-locations. They were they were actually global. And we had to do a software update on their their telecom equipment. Uh, and I coordinated with my point of contact, who was the facilities manager. And we set a date and time after hours. And in the email, in this correspondence, I said something like, look, this is going to entail shutting the phone system down for a period of time, 30 minutes, whatever it was. I don't, I don't remember. And, and uh, you know, so no one's going to be able to be on the phone. And and they acknowledged it. Come that evening, my technician is out there, and you could see on the hardware, looking at the hardware, you could see lights that tell you if somebody's on the phone or not. And he saw that the phones were in use, and he contacted our point of contact and said, "Hey, do you want me to wait because the phones are in use?" And he said, "No, nope, nobody important. Go ahead." Ew, system comes down. We do our thing. System comes up. The next day, I get a very irate email from my point of contact, the facilities manager's boss, who was the initial person I worked with to sell the system. The person who was on the phone was the president of the company talking to overseas, China or someplace like that, on a really critical call. And she's going off on me about how we should have communicated better what was involved with all this and all this other stuff. Right Now, I could have replied... We did. Here's the email I sent, which would have been factually accurate. Instead, my reply was, I'm so sorry. That is terrible when anybody gets cut off the phone, much less the president of the company. 
please help me so this doesn't happen in the future. I've attached the email I sent to your subordinate. What could I have said differently? I took 100% ownership of that failure of communication. Now, the reality is I tossed the guy under the bus. We both know that. I'm to say, wait a minute, Dave. Right? But I didn't do it by saying, I don't remember his name, so I'm just going to call him Jake. Sure. I, I, I didn't do it by saying, Jake screwed up. I sent Jake an email. I said, I screwed up. I wasn't clear in my communication. Clearly, I wasn't clear in my communication. Clearly, and this goes to respect from last week. Clearly, I respect Jake enough as a professional to have passed the word on to everybody else that this was going to happen at this date and time, right? And made sure. So I must have screwed up. And, and yeah, I know I didn't screw up, but maybe I did, right? Maybe she would have come back and said, oh, when you said this, this was ambiguous. That didn't happen. But I didn't, I didn't actually blame anybody. I took the responsibility. And yes, it's subtle. And it's also really important. Well, and, and I, and I, applaud. I may not have sent the e forward the, the email. I might've said, I communicated with Jake. I got the understanding that it was okay, but why don't we come up with a new way to do this? Um, and maybe the email would have come out later, but whatever, you know, I, I appreciate that you took that responsibility. But the other thing that you did was you said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You did the apology, even though again, it wasn't your fault did the apology and said, how can we fix this in the future? You had a, you had a, let's acknowledge the inconvenience and then let's look to the future and say, how do we fix this going forward? It's not just about the apology. It's not just about, you know, it's how do we make this right going forward and having that forward focus, which I think is really important in a lot of these situations of how do we make this right for the future? Yeah. And, you know, as I'm talking about this, and I honestly don't remember um, the specifics beyond what I've already shared, but I suspect just because I know how I was, we probably had an internal conversation about, look, um, somebody's on the phone. We need to figure out who that is, you know, moving forward, because we could tell by extension numbers, mm -hmm. right? We, we, we could tell what phone was in use and wait, that's in the president's office. We could have gone that extra step as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's a great point. Yeah. So I think we've done a good job covering both how to deal with long-term relationships, right? Acknowledge a problem and look, take ownership of what you can take ownership for. That's number one, yep. which yep. at the very least is communicating better. We could always communicate better. Okay. Take ownership of what you take ownership for. Acknowledge, acknowledge their inconvenience acknowledge that whatever they're going through is valid. Don't mm -hmm. invalidate it. Mm -hmm. And once you've done that, and then you take ownership, then talk about moving forward. How do we, how do we co-create back to last week's podcast? How do we co-create a situation so that it, it's, it's better and stronger? Yep. And every situation is going to have a judgment call, but I love your, you know, sit on it. Think about your response, how you're going to deal with it, because it's so many people just fire off that response from the amygdala, you know, from that lizard brain that's saying protect, kill, kill, you know, whereas sometimes, it, you know, it's good to just let it sit, do the kill, kill in a word document, set it aside. And this is from Abraham Lincoln. He used to do that when he'd get some negative communication, he'd write an email and then he'd, he'd table it. Maybe he wrote it on a tablet. Uh, 
<laughs> he wrote it with a fountain pen or something, but he'd, he'd like write it, the angry one, and then put it in the drawer and come back to it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that, that give yourself time. Does this require an answer right now? Or can it wait a, a minute for me to really think what's the right response here based on what I'm trying to achieve with this person? Yeah. And re remember, folks, I know we feel this urgency to respond, but nobody knows most of the time. They don't know when you receive it, when you right. see it. They don't know what your schedule is. We, we all, we've gotten to the place where, you know, 20 years ago when email first came out, it was all instantaneous. I got to respond. This is fun. I'm on email. You know, then, then when, of course, we got hit with all the spam and we're like, oh, God, this is email. Um, but, so, right now, now text messages are that way. But we, we've also learned with text messages. You don't need to respond right away. Right? right. Your amygdala does not exist in your index finger. It does not have to press send. <laughs> I think I'm going to use that at some point. That's my you're, goal. Your amygdala welcome. is not in your index finger. Yeah. There's a long distance. Let it let it think, let it simmer. Yeah. As as my podcast co-host Dave Rosenberg says, I want full credit. You're giving me the finger now, aren't you? Your your middle no, that was the index finger. Your amygdala is in your middle finger. Let the <laughs> index finger do the talking. Well, yeah, it definitely lives in this finger. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. Yeah. All right, I might, everybody. I might Thanks use that for one. listening. Good luck. Let it we'll, simmer, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, folks. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.